Good evening. You are listening yet again to a Rattledgen Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, and I really want to taste it, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight we are talking Peacemaker, <clears throat> brought to you by the good people at uh, the Safran Company, Troll Court Entertainment, Warner Brothers Television, uh, Peacemaker continues the story that James Gunn told in the Suicide Squad movie over the summer of 2021. It stars John Cena as the aforementioned Peacemaker, Daniel Brooks as Adebayo, Freddie Stroma as Vigilante, and a few other characters as well. We can't, well, I, I, will, I refuse to leave off Robert Patrick as White Dragon because, oh my God. Uh, joining me tonight. Fans of this show, they were so excited, they insisted they be on to talk about it. First, you heard her earlier talking rubber hose cartoons uh, the, from the uh, Cuphead show. Alexis Hayner from Honeysuckle Rose Creations. How do you do, madam? Glad to be back. You didn't turn it off again, did you? Not all day. With, I talked to you for an hour and that didn't happen. I don't know why it's <laughs> happening now. Uh, I and... freaking hate those things. And he Hate doesn't them. have, a, and he doesn't have a home helper device named after him, ladies and gentlemen. The protocol son from the Second and Short <laughs> podcast, uh, Jason Teasley. How do you do, sir? Doing well, doing well for my first non-Black History Month show. This <laughs> with you, Mark. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to talk about here. You know, we we've talked about so many elements of uh, Black culture, history, and society. I mean, what else is there left to talk about, Jason? All right, so let's just talk about how James Gunn is the man. Yeah, well, we get to talk about White Dragon. I mean, that kind of factors <laughs> into black history. It certainly does, Ollie. All right, so... Um, yeah, you got to wonder just how much Robert Patrick loved playing the most blatantly non-subtle racist human being on the planet. I mean... I don't I, I honestly don't think I have ever seen a care a fictional character. I mean, every time it's like, yeah, they're racist and they say stupid things. This guy went out of his way to say racist shit. It's you know, just actors wow. like to play, you know, and they like to get and I think that's it's actually a good starting point to talk about the show because everybody here has a very well defined character. Um I, I talked offline. I said this is, and, and I've goofed on it a couple of times leading up to this. I think this is the most well-written TV show I've watched in a while in this kind of genre. Um, I'm sure that there are plenty of other shows out there that are a little bit more serious and is just as equally, if not better, written. But for the you know for the superhero genre, for sort of the high IP uh, mass media entertainment, this was this was an excellently written show. And part of that, as you're alluding to, is the fact that. You have characters that are very clearly defined, and actors like to play. They like to step into roles that they can really just let their hair down and let loose in. And Robert Patrick got to play this blatant, over-the-top, uh, vicious, abusive racist. And he looked like he was having a ball doing so, Jason. Robert Patrick, from even from the... And I, I this isn't where I wanted to start, so um, I will... I'll, go into the opening of the show real quick after this, but just to kind of close up on Robert Patrick for a second. I mean, he's awesome in this from the, from his opening little dance thing that he does as part of the big dance number to all, to his interactions with John Cena. And then finally he gets to be an Iron Man superhero at, or supervillain at the end. It's, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And he has so much fun with it. You could tell he's having so much fun with it. Just mm -hmm. being the, just playing something that, he doesn't have to take himself too serious mm -hmm. and he could just kind of be very over the top because in a lot of his roles, he likes to play that over the top character and he kind mm -hmm. of pigeonholed in that. So him getting to have like a just kid in a candy store ball playing 
mm-hmm. uh, this role. I, I think that this was one of the characters I absolutely loved in the movie just because of his portrayal. All right, so I wanted to get this out of the way right at the beginning so I don't have to talk about it anymore. I, I did not watch this as it was coming out like you guys did. I waited until it was done, and then I binged it in a day or so. And the first thing I heard everybody talk about, the first <laughs> thing that people were like, they acted like it was the most amazing thing they'd ever seen. And I am curious to hear your thoughts on it when you, like, sort of stream of consciousness as you watched it. What were you thinking? The opening credits dance number to <laughs> Wigwams, Do You Really Want to Taste It? Which I, a child of the 80s, did not know that that was a song. I'd never heard it before. It is pretty fantastic. But I'll start with you, Alexis. I, I, I'm going to say this. The first time I watched it, I'm like, okay, this is, a, this is, this is totes adorbs. This is very, this is very cute. Um, you know, it, it's, it certainly sets the tone for what the rest of the show is going to be. But the level of reaction as if people were like, oh, my God, I've never seen white people dance before. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, please inform. I, I, I wait. I once again await for you to teach me here. What is the big deal? Because it's so over the top and silly. I mean, mm-hmm. can you think of another superhero show where we got an opening like this, where the superhero motif wasn't more serious or dark and disturbing? You know, very, very DC esque, if you will. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have ever gotten an opening like this for a superhero show. Although my favorite story about it is that uh, the choreographer for this mm-hmm. is Alan Tudyk's wife. Nice. And when they, she was practicing it with, on camera, she couldn't get seen at a practice with her. Tudyk stepped in and there's apparently video of him doing the full dance in the peacemaker role. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I would nice. so pay good money to see that. <laughs> What about you, Jason? You're sitting there, you're watching this, you don't know what to expect. I mean, you've seen the Suicide Squads and you watched the James Gunn movie before, but what 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 was happening in your in your brain? Uh, I put this right up there with the um, Guardians Two Baby Groot dance routine as one of my favorite <laughs> openings ever to mm-hmm. to anything. Uh, just because Cena is, and we'll talk about this later, I'm sure. Everybody doesn't realize how good Cena. is can play comedy mm-hmm. but he plays this opening like so serious <laughs> and, and he has just that deadpan he just deadpans look on his face while he's doing this choreographed dance and it is just so hilarious and it just <laughs> and once i seen that i knew we was in for something special oh and mr child of the 80s this song was released in 2010 that's it was it really yeah all right by Norwegian glam metal band Wigwam. All right, see, learn something new every day. So let's talk about John Cena first. Uh, John Cena, his acting career paralleled <clears throat> paralleled The Rock because he's a big hunky man who came from the world of wrestling. Uh, he got he started off doing first of all he started off doing movies that were closely associated to the WWE. I think he did a couple produced by them like The Marine and shit. Ugh, um, I hated The Marine. That was such a bad movie. Yeah, uh, and then his career kind of stalled in the sense of like he he wasn't that great of an actor and he's not in great action movies much again same thing happened with the rock um and then so he started doing a lot of like kitty comedies because if you'll recall jason where the rock really started to take off is those couple of films he did for disney like the game plan and then he did the tooth fairy and whatnot race to which mountain remake which i heard was a really really good version of the story so he so the rock is out there doing a lot of stuff for uh, a lot of family entertainment and along the way he's learning to act and then he starts taking dramatic roles and then you know as he uh, said on Saturday Night Live he becomes franchise Viagra with the, with the Fast and the Furious movies. John Cena a very similar thing. He had like a working relationship with Nickelodeon for a really really long time. Did a bunch of Nickelodeon movies, showed up at a lot of their award shows and then um and then he slowly, slowly started working himself back into action movies. He's the villain in The Last Fast and the Furious. I just said that about The Rock. Um, he's in The Suicide Squad, and now he's here. And the thing that I really want to um, talk about is how John Cena's dramatic acting has gotten better over time. But he always, even going back to his WWE days, he's always been a funny guy. Yes, but we didn't never realize how funny he was. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear the stories now. 
that like this is Cena being himself. There, this he ad libs a lot of his stuff just off the cuff. They don't, um, and it's just one of those things that if you told me that in 2022, one of the my favorite TV shows that I'm going to anticipate to watch in week in week out is going to be headlined by John Cena. Mm-hmm. I I tell you, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, but here we are. Go ahead, Alexis. You know, I never liked John. For the record, I hope that that uh, call there wasn't. It was not. It was yet again somebody from the group chat butt dialing. Yeah, hitting the butt dial. Because yep. yeah, I, I heard my phone going off, but then I saw you react. I was like, "Wait, where's that coming from?" <laughs> no, okay. I was not a huge fan of John Cena when I used to watch the WWE with my ex because. Well, first of all, I wasn't a huge, I'm never a huge fan when they force a character to be a face or a heel mm-hmm. and don't really let them play around with it. I know Cena's a good guy, but I, I just, I guess I just got tired of them saying, you have to love Cena. He's the face. You have to love him. Like, and I really got tired of every time I watched a match with him, he would do that drop. And it's like, I know they're not actually hitting each other, but he would drop like a foot away from the other guy's head. I'm like, <laughs> okay, dude. It's like, okay, can you but, just like get a little closer? Can I, can I jump in one sec? So Steve Austin has John Cena on the Broken Skull, either the, either his podcast or the Broken Skull session. I don't remember which one. And to your point, he's like, can you do me one? He's like, John, I love you. You're great. You've been great for the WWE. Everything about you is perfect. Don't change a thing except this one thing. Can you please tighten up that STF for me? And, <laughs> and he's like, I can see daylight on that chin lock, buddy. <laughs> and it's so funny. Like he got totally called out for being too loosey-goosey with his wrestling yeah but the more i watched him first of all the other thing that really uh, started to turn me around was i saw how good he was to his fans cena has mm-hmm. done more make-a-wish foundation approaches and given back through charity work more than i think anyone else with the company mm-hmm. and that really uh uh, spoke to me you know mm-hmm. I, I i can't hate somebody who is that passionate about their work with fans and the more i saw him i also saw him doing more bits where yeah i saw he was actually really funny um i know there was a couple of commercials that he was in where i think they were talking about like the wrestling video games or something mm-hmm. and he just had little bits on there and, and it, he made me laugh so again i wasn't a huge fan of his acting but i will say loved him in suicide squad and I got the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. I know it's on HBO Max, which I have, but I wanted the Blu-ray. And I listened to the commentary. James Gunn said, and I'm not kidding here, he said John Cena is the best improvisational actor he has ever worked with. Yeah, that's why he was that's why any if you're if you're if you're good at improv, you will be good in professional wrestling, even if your wrestling's not particularly uh tight. The thing I want to talk about first with John Cena in regards specifically to this show is how I like the way that James Gunn characterized Peacemaker and John Cena brought that characterization to life. An example of what I'm talking about is after the first episode or two of everybody basically calling him a douchebag, him seeking his father's approval, and even, you know, and, 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 and he can't even get that, and just sort of having a moment to where he breaks down and like, ugly cries and not the kind of ugly cry when you go see coco i mean like the world hates me i i'm i'm this close to launching myself off the nearest bridge kind of cry you know the i i'm a piece of garbage and i don't deserve to live kind of cry um i don't know if you've ever experienced that in your life but that i i've had those moments in mine and Mm -hmm. i and to see john cena just play that out on tv it gets cut off kind of quickly but not so quickly that you don't get the impact of what he's doing there, Jason. It, it's a beautifully acted scene, and it resonated a lot with me. And there's a lot of that kind of thing with John Cena, where he's not just a tank. He's reflective. He wants to be loved. He's somebody who is seeking approval, but has the way that his father raised him and then all of the being peacemaker on top of that, plus whatever time he spent in the military and what it did to him. So there's a there's a lot of subtext with his uh, there's a lot of subtext with his uh, performance and with his characterization. Yeah, and you see him go through the gambit of this too, which is really something that you typically don't see in this type of 
movie. Uh, you mm -hmm. see, you know, you really don't see basically the, what you call the hero's arc, mm -hmm. but you see him humanized. Um, yeah. Uh, is a good way, I think, is, is the best way to put it, actually. And uh, you see him go from this, you know, whose best friend is an eagle mm -hmm. to that, that you know, the eagle hug was just made my day when I seen it. But to the, you know, question self-doubt, being so good at something, but yet still having that self-doubt and wanting, mm -hmm. your, wanting your parental approval and finding out, you know, that he that he's blamed for something that he really had no control over, a situation that he was put in by his father, and mm -hmm. he's blamed for it, of uh, the death of his brother, spoiler. Um, but I think anyone who's watching the series yeah. should expect, or watching us talk about it, should expect spoilers. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, and you see him, like, really humanized. Uh, and, and it kind of is, what's funny is, to me, it, it kind of blurs that line where you see John Cena, the character, and John Cena, the person, mm -hmm. because of the, the range that he goes through in uh, a few scenes, like when he's reflecting about, you know, what happens to his brother and, mm. you know, just the, the guilt and the, you know, just the browbeating from his father, blaming him for what happened, mm -hmm. even though he had no control, and just how he just breaks down. and But yet he has this... Then it goes like, you know, a little bit later, he's making fart jokes. Mm -hmm. um, that is absolutely hilarious. Uh, but, you know, you see that range. And I think it is a, a compliment of Cena as an actor and how far he's come. Um, I know you don't watch um, Cobra Kai, Alexis, but bear with me here for a second. Because when I go to you, I want to reflect on this. One of the things that I think a lot of us see in the Peacemaker character is what we call what we've heard when we talked about Johnny um, from the, yeah. from Cobra Kai is the analog man, you know, a man out of time. He, you know, he's he's still stuck, you know, in in his teenager years in the eighties, and so the way he looks at the world, the way that he uh, theorizes and philosophizes, the way he communicates with people is so antiquated you know, in 2022, that it, that it just ultimately causes friction with everybody around him, even when he's being sincere. Uh, and that's where a lot of the comedy from the show is derived from. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so what did you think of that presentation of John Cena being sort of this, you know, I, I think sincerely trying to, to be, to be friends with people, but because of because of his arrested development, just not quite understanding how to communicate with those around him in 2022. Not only was it really well done, but it is kind of identifiable. I mean, I don't think any of us have killed our siblings and then, you know, spent our life being trained to hunt and murder people. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you're doing back in West Virginia there, Jason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's... Um, I do think it's identifiable for us to sometimes look at our lives and just wonder, how did we get here? And is this really what we're supposed to be doing? And why isn't it working anymore? Why, mm -hmm. why is what we know like wrong? The world, the world has seemingly moved on without me. Yeah. I really liked that. And I nice touch on James Gunn, by the way, that he held off on revealing how, uh, peacemaker's brother died mm -hmm. they, they hint at it and they start building it up more and you assume it was a fight gone wrong or it was i don't know like that that scene in the dewey cox movie with a machete or something <laughs> but and then they reveal and yeah his brother had a seizure when they were being forced to fight each other mm -hmm. you know that was completely out of his control and he's been blamed for it for so long so you really feel that pain that he's been carrying inside. Yeah, I wish, um, I think one criticism I do have of the writing is that I wish they had dealt a little bit more with the trauma of what uh, Chris has gone through throughout his life. You know, the, what, what happened with his brother and then everything that happens thereafter. There's a way that some people show the effects of PTSD uh, in television and movies that I think they could have leaned on just a little bit. Um, because again, if you don't know about that kind of stuff and you're just watching this, you might not get a clear sense to why he's behaving the way that he is. And that might've helped, but you know, did, did, do I think it makes this, uh, 
you know a, a bad watch or anything. No, it just it would have added to the subtext instead of it being what it was. The next thing I wanted to talk about was um, how Peacemaker uh, how how Peacemaker interacts with Vigilante. First of all, I thought that was Rob Corddry. I didn't realize who that actor was. Like he sounded just like Rob Corddry to me with his mask on, and. Um, I knew there was a lot of online buzz about the best parts of Peacemaker when Vigilante, uh, Jason, and Peacemaker are palling around doing superhero stuff. And I and I want to give James Gunn a lot of credit and the writers of the show a lot of credit that as they were going in a direction with Vigilante where he really would have been annoying and they stopped short of that and actually drew it back somewhat and made him a relatable human being. And then his career, his... Um, uh, chemistry with John Cena is pretty electrifying, no pun intended. It was a really, it was fun to watch them do stuff when they got a chance to do it. Yeah, and two of the best scenes I think um, of his character is one the the first interaction where him and Cena's blowing up everything. <laughs> um, that was and, great. And it, and it just looks like two kids having mm. fun. Like, you're yeah. actually doing so. And the second is when his secret identity gets uh, uncovered outside of the... Uh, I think it's outside the... The, the jail. jail. And he's like, nope, nope, not, not me. And he starts changing his voice and stuff. He goes, well, skiing accident. Yep, skiing accident. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, vigilante and, and, stole this show, no question. Yeah, and and it's just, and he plays that that unsung superhero that you never expect. Like you see him as as the person, but you can't correlate the the mm -hmm. superhero aspect. Yeah, and, and I think that's what works with his his character is because it's just such a diverse mm -hmm. uh, and stark contrast. That you can't help but like be sucked into the the universe that that character is. Alexis Vigilante has two great scenes in my opinion. If you if you disagree, you can tell me what yours are. But I think the two best Vigilante moments in this entire series. One is the jail fight. Like, yes, when he antagonizes Robert Patrick's uh, gang and um, you know and attacks the gang of guys. It looked awesome. The actor doing it managed to pull off those stuns with a plum. It was very engaging and fun to watch. Not like Old Boy, uh, which was over the top and ridiculous. But uh, Shut your mouth. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Um, but the other one is uh, John Cena doesn't doesn't want to shoot at a child, whether it's an alien or not, <laughs> and he can't bring himself to do it. And Vigilante, in a very tender moment, says, "I, I got this. It's okay." And then he kind of taps Chris on the shoulder and, you know, and nudges him the away. Children. And and then and he does it for him. But it, well, the shooting of the kids was whatever. I don't care about that. I know. They it's, were aliens. They were aliens. Well, not only that, but it's the the way that he, that, that actor, I'll get his name in a second, approached John Cena and tapped him. Freddie. Freddie Storma. And was like, it's okay. Step, step down. I got this. Like, it was, it, it's, the reason I'm focusing on it and the reason why I think it's so good is without going overboard and having to convey it, you can see that there's a friendship there and a, and a true loving relationship, which I really, really liked. Any kind of, any shows like these, I'm always looking for how are the relationships developed? Because the other stuff that's that, every, that everybody else seems to focus on, which is the action, it's fine. I'm, I'm happy if it's good, but that's not what draws me into shows like this. So uh, your thoughts on Vigilante? The jail scene is definitely one of the best. It's also very unexpected. He gets mm -hmm. himself arrested and he's going to, so he could attempt to, I guess, kill uh, Peacemaker's father. Mm -hmm. But up until this point, he has been a clown. He's just been a total joke. So we're just, mm -hmm. and he's walking into the jail with this bravado, this smug, <laughs> I know what I'm doing look. And we're just waiting for him to get his ass handed to him. And when he sits down and starts getting under the racist mm -hmm. skin, so to speak, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I was just caught up by like, whoa, you actually had a plan and it was a good plan. Holy shit. <laughs> right. You know, you just don't expect that. You expect to be the bumbling idiot and he is yeah. a bumbling idiot, but you do not expect him to suddenly come across as actually knowing what the hell he's doing. Mm -hmm. I, I do have to laugh. There's a bit, it's not in the show. Um, did you guys watch the DC fandom from last year when it aired? No. Okay. In addition to the trailer for Peacemaker, uh, they did a Zoom call with all the cast members to talk about it. 
And the guy who plays Vigilante is British. Uh, he mm -hmm. was actually in a Harry Potter movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, I think it was, what was it, Jason? Like the sixth movie, I think? Yeah. Uh, Your wife knows Harry Potter almost as well yeah. as anyone else. Yeah, I think it was in six. Yeah, it was the one. I'm trying, I know it was after. No, it was Cormac the one McClagan. after Fire. Yeah, Cormac McClagan. It's funny because the character he plays is the biggest show-off bravado cocky asshole so it's such a departure but when they're starting the zoom call and freddie jumps in cena goes hold on hold on freddie's british <laughs> funny it really made me and i hate to say it i don't know if he's serious or not because if you watch all the behind the scenes when they're breaking character he's maintaining that american accent mm -hmm. he does not break uh accents at all behind the scenes the other actor anything else on vigilante Move on. Nice little touch, by the way, again by James Gunn. One of the things I noticed early on is whenever he's got those dorky glasses. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, those are the dorkiest glasses I've seen on a human being in a while. <laughs> but he always puts them on when he gets, but he never wears them underneath his mask. Mm -hmm. And someone actually messaged James Gunn on Twitter and asked about it. And he said that's actually a good point. He had purposely written it so the visor is prescription. Mm -hmm. Oh, so okay. so he would always have to put his glasses on the minute he took off the mask. I'm like, that's sexual. Again, it's little details like that that I love when someone puts that kind of effort into their superheroes. I was like, that's yeah. that's kind of creative. The only other performance that I want to touch on here, um, very specifically, is Daniel Brooks as Leota Adebayo. So uh, I know her from. She's been in a bunch of different things, but I know her from Orange Is the New Black, and she's fantastic on Orange Is the New Black. She's a, just a great character, and you think because of the kind of character that she's playing, especially when the show first starts, you don't think they're going to spend that much time with her. But over the course of, I think it was six or seven seasons, possibly eight now, uh, she's, a, she's a focus of a lot of that show. And Danielle Brooks is a fantastic actress. And I was, I was interested to see what they were going to do with her here because she... Um, you know, she's a bigger girl, bigger girl, and I and I was like, well, how many how many stunt things can they do with her? How much action can she possibly do? And to her credit, man, she stepped up. They gave her a lot to do in this show. Uh, they gave her some really good interactions with John Cena. They uh, she has a lot of good interactions with the the blonde in this. Um, Amelia, that's Jennifer uh, Holland. Yeah, yeah, that's um, James Gunn's fiance. Uh, she she's got engaged. They have a lot of good reaction uh, they have a lot of good interactions together um and i was really i was i was curious to see what the online buzz was going to be about her because th there's probably a contingent of people who took one look at her and was just like jesus christ i hope they don't give her a lot to do but they did but i think she earned it and i think she did well with it i think she's i think jason she definitely adds a lot to the whole uh the whole presentation of the show so I enjoyed her here. I enjoyed her arc as somebody who uh, starts out as I'm just doing this to, you know, temporarily to pay rent. I don't, my heart's not really in this and finding her heart in it over the course, you know, over the course of the show, over the course of building relationships with these people and the necessity of feeling like, you know, this is a real problem and I have an opportunity to stop it. And so I will, even though I am wildly uncomfortable with all of this. Yeah. And she has to spread her wings per se. Um, into the comedic, the serious, and kind of break the mold that she might have been pigeonholed in mm -hmm. for being on Orange is the New Black. Um, and she has the the torpedo, uh, human torpedo, <laughs> uh, is my favorite. Um, that was crazy. Like I, I warned them not to do that. <laughs> because, well, what I like about it is because you, you see that relationship because she sold uh chris out and mm -hmm. you know he's not forgiven her he's still holding a grudge but she's the one that goes down and tries to you know she sees him in a predicament and she thinks the best thing to do is use the human torpedo mm -hmm. and totally misses by a <laughs> wide margin and she gets up and it looks and it's like a looney tune scene and she gets up and she's just <laughs> like, like you're just waiting for the you're waiting for the stars to be around her head, and it's just like they look at her, and then, 
and then it's like she's you know like i said in true looney tunes fashion like she appears and she's stumbling around like obviously a concussion and she does it again and kills the cow uh <laughs> and you're just like and it's like just all, totally off the wall but you see the arc where she goes from this you know real standoffish character like you think mm-hmm. this is going to have a, a minor role mm-hmm. and she comes and she brings it back and they progress her character so well throughout it's so well paced to pull, pull her to the forefront and make her a central character that the the storyline revolves around because mm-hmm. she she goes into this dilemma personal dilemma where she sold chris out this she's got to win chris's trust back uh and then you know she takes a stand against amanda waller and outs the you know the suicide squad so you see that that arc and it's so well paced that you know you can't help but cheer for her at the end yeah for real um what do you think about daniel brooks alexis Oh, I thought she was terrific in this. You really do see the conflict within her. She it feels loyal to the team. She feels loyal to her mother. And she feels loyal to her wife, who really doesn't understand fully what she's doing there. She's falls in a lot of different directions. Exactly. It's a really tough call for her. Part of her wants to please her mother and do it. Part of her wants to stick with her new friends, the team. Part mm-hmm. of her wants to just say, screw all of you and go off with her wife. Right. You know? She and her wife also are really cute together. I, I mm. love when they go into that hotel with their two little dogs. <laughs> this is adorable. Um, okay, just real. I I wasn't going to bring her up because I don't have a tremendous amount to say about her, but I'm touching on her because it's uh, more emblematic of what's going on with the rest of the cast, and that is you mentioned her before, James Gunn's fiance, Jennifer Holland is Amelia Harcourt. Uh, the, I, I think there was there's a real tendency in Hollywood to write that character um in just the worst way just you know somebody who's just an absolute pill and a mary sue and you know just you know tila from fucking masters of the universe uh, or where sort of she's thing. all of that until she finally sees how sweet the protagonist is and yeah. she falls in love yeah not, not, that's the thing that and again credit to james gunn for uh going against a lot of modern hollywood tropes and tendencies and he wrote her as somebody in that role would be there's no reason for her to think Peacemaker is anything but a POS, considering where they're starting from. But she does get to know him over time, and her heart does somewhat melt. And you know, they, they get to know each other as people. And she's, you know, and and again, credit to James Gunn for not making them a, a sexual couple, but just you know, having you know, as uh, Faramir said, I think we know each other a little better now. You know, um, which I really liked. I liked, you know, and she, she. This is what I'm talking about. Everybody in the main cast has growth over the course of how many, however many episodes this was. Nobody is the same from the beginning to the end, which I like. I like the fact that we're not just focusing on the main character's growth or having no growth at all, and it's just a collection of action sequences, which is another thing that happens now. Um, but that everybody changes over the course of the plot, which which I really really like, Jason. I liked what they did with her. I like what they did with everybody else, where. Everybody is changed by the experience that they collectively went through. Yeah, and you see that she is really she's basically a female Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, she she's very standoffish, doesn't let anybody in, but the respect grows, mm-hmm. and you you don't even feel like there's any like romantic tension there. Mm-hmm. It's just the respect that. They yeah. they learn because it, it feels like you know in I think it's episode one where he tries to hit on her in the bar. Mm-hmm. It is and, and, and can I just have this one thing? I you see yeah. I take that scene with a grain of salt because he had also just gotten out of prison and probably yeah. was thinking with another appendage other than his head. Yeah, that's what I'm getting ready to say. Is yeah, I mean, see, how quickly he see, goes home with the other chick. Yeah, you see, you see that they're like. You know, they they te- James Gunn teases with it like, oh, is there going to be a romantic tension? And he's just like, no, I just want to fuck you. That, that's it. I, <laughs> I, I have no I have no desire that anything beyond that. It's just it's just a carnal desire. I've been in prison, and and it grows from that because she just thinks he's a complete ass and doesn't have any kind of respect for him. Just as like, 
I'm forced to do this with you. And you see, you know, the admiration grow between them mutually mm-hmm. um, for their roles. And it's not, it's like two best friends, like on this journey together that come out of it, you know, not so much as a, you know, uh, will they want a romantic thing, but a, mm-hmm. I would, I, I care enough about them as a person and as a friend that I would take a bullet for him. I would, I would put my life on the line for them. And that's the growth you like to see. Uh, the only character that doesn't have any growth is eagerly because he's already awesome. And he doesn't <laughs> need to get there. He doesn't need to have growth. He's Credit the sweetest, the- sweetest animal ever. Credit to the CGI department, by the way. Um, the cow may have looked a little iffy, but Eagly looked amazing. He really did. I, I, I definitely enjoyed the two times that Eagly hugs John Cena. It was that was very well done. There's actually, I go, I say, there's actually been the opening credits when Eagly swoops in. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there's he lands, stretches his arm out, screeches, then he looks down and he steps forward like, oh shit, I'm not on my mark. <laughs> just that little bit just always made me laugh. Well, I want to I want to keep with that because what you're alluding to there is there is an attention to detail in this show that is pretty phenomenal, Alexis. And I don't know if you have any thoughts about moments in the show where that attention to detail comes to the front. But I'll tell you, uh, I often say that a lot of these shows could use Grammarly to help with their writing. I don't think this show needs it, but you might. Grammarly, for you listeners of TV Party Tonight, helps uh, you communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. So download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. So you want to jump on that point for me? Uh, you got any thoughts? Uh, about the attention about, to detail? Oh, I was going to say about Harcourt or about Eagly? <laughs> Take the ball and run with it. Trying to think of a lot uh, again, like so the moment a lot of the attention to detail I really do think is impressive. I'm trying to think specific because yeah, the, my favorite mode was always eagerly realizing he missed his spot. <laughs> that was just really great. Um, actually, going back to what you guys were talking about, Harcourt, um, I actually really also liked her growth. It's along with Economos's growth because you got to remember they were part of the Suicide Squad. They worked for mm-hmm. Task Force yeah. S with Amanda Waller, and in the opening scene of the movie, they're taking bets on who they think is going to die. <laughs> you know they are they have spent most of their time is uncaring I mean, mm-hmm. you, ha- you cannot care and work right. in that field they've detached themselves yes so to actually suddenly have friends and people it's like that's very hard for them to suddenly go back of oh now i can actually trust people and now i can like somebody and actually have something to do with them outside of my job you got to just realize how much that is a huge 180 from where they were at the beginning of Suicide Squad. You actually pinged something for me. Economos's speech about how he dyed his beard and his uh, <laughs> lack of self-worth, his uh, being self-conscious and all of that. Boy, did I resonate with a lot of what he was saying there. And, you know, and, and what more importantly than my own personal um, uh, relationship to that monologue is how James Gunn directed that scene to where he cuts to John Cena, who's having this realization of, oh my God, never mind shooting and killing people. I really hurt people with my dick behavior. And here's this guy who did nothing to me and has his own stuff that he's working through. And there I am calling him out on it and basically pulling his pants down for the whole world to, you know, to see how small his dick is and how that makes him feel. And then reflexively, then John is like, wow, I'm an awful person and I need to change. And that is some pretty brilliant writing brilliant direction on the part of the people who put this together you know headed up by james gunn alexis absolutely that was a really creative idea that when they for that entire speech you don't focus on economists at all you hear his voice and you can hear his voice cracking you can tell how upset he is so credit to the actor that he was able to get that across with no attention to his face whatsoever Mm -hmm. Which is also good because he's supposed to be playing a butterfly, so he's supposed to be stone face. Right. So again, you get that all through the dialogue and through um, Cena Vigilante or Peacemaker Vigilante and Harcourt and all their reactions was so well done. So I've covered all the, the character points that I wanted to talk about. The one last thing I'm going to bring up and then we'll go around again for, uh, for things that you guys want to talk about. Uh, Jason and then Alexis, I want to talk about the actual plot of this thing. I'm not going to go into a tremendous amount of detail. Just there's, you know, there's aliens living amongst us. It's a revenge of the body snatchers kind of a deal. We have these 
insect-like creatures that are taking over human beings. And um, they, you know, there are there are those that are trying to guide humanity from going over the falls in a barrel. And then there are those that, you know, are, are willing to just be in the world, but are not trying to do any of that. They're just like, humanity is going to do what humanity is going to do. It, it is what it is. Um, and that is the entire plot that drives this thing forward. It's a slow burn mystery of who, you know, what are the insects? Who are they? Who have they taken over? And what is, and what is their evil plan? How'd that work for you, Jason? It was interesting. Um, cause you have the mystery, you have the, you, you have the guest red herring that they want to take over and there's mm -hmm. this big invasion. And then you find out, uh, in the last episode, it's just a lot of them just wanted to exist and mm -hmm. have a place that doesn't, they ruin it's the, it's the Autobots. Mm -hmm. They ruin their world and they want, they come here to live peacefully because it has the same ecosystem and everything that they can thrive in hey, except quick, for the feeding. Did you ever watch the show Alien Nation? I did not. Okay. Or see the movie? No. No, Alexis, any idea what I'm talking about? No, no. Okay, there's a movie where um, it's after the aliens have landed, and basically they wreck their planet, so they migrate to Earth. It's not, it's not an, any kind of invasion. It's basically it's an it's, it's an immigrant situation, and alienation is about you know well after the aliens have landed and have been a part of the United States, there's um, there's one alien who's partnered up with uh, a human, and they're both detectives. But it's a lot of that of what you know what you're talking about is aliens just saying we live here now this is what we do and trying to figure it out and, and not make waves versus some that look around and go we could make this place better and why don't we we're better than all of this very similar yeah. concept yeah as long as they're not illegal um, but anyway um, <laughs> build the ozone layer back. Um, Anyway, uh, you see raw, this. Raw, raw, we're an angry mob. Raw, raw, right. build a wall. Build the ozone. <laughs> yes, um, go ahead. That's why everybody was so concerned about the ozone layer being destroyed. It works out now. Um, but it, it works on a lot of levels because mm -hmm. you see that it's not just humanity has that has those power-hungry people that go on power trips. Mm -hmm. it, it shows um, that happens in all. Uh, another species and it kind of kind of basically puts a mirror for you to look into that mm -hmm. look everybody's got a douchebag amongst them <laughs> um even our chat um not saying a word i wouldn't if i were you <laughs> it, it's it's typically it's typically me or pat i'm um, gonna i'm gonna i didn't ask, say anything i'm gonna ask that you not stir the pot we're having a nice conversation I'm not, no i'm saying but i'm just you, you know, you always yeah. have that dynamic. You got yeah. the peaceful ones, and then you got the ones that just like to stir shit. Yes. Uh, and likes to troll. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and gets on a power... Get, gets on... Gets it on freaks me out every time you do that, and your arms start disappearing from the keyframe. It's so weird. But, sometimes I put my... Sometimes I use the, the actual green screen. Sometimes I do the virtual one. When I do the virtual one, if I don't... If I go back far enough, yes, I just... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it just shows that all species uh, do go on power trips, mm -hmm. and even though the best laid intentions are there, everything can get fucked up and get sideways, and uh, power struggle ensues. Yep. Um, what do you think of the alien invasion plot that drove this show, Alexis? First of all, I'm just gonna say it: the idea of where the the this isn't the first time we've seen shows with the invasion of the body snatchers, but James Gunn took a really interesting approach with the way they take over, and it is kind of nightmare-inducing. The way they go into your mouth, very threat, they thrust in your mouth, and they start spitting out blood, and they're mm -hmm. convulsing. You realize they're basically tunneling up, yeah, into the head through the mouth. Mm -hmm. That is creepy as hell. Sure. It's very, it's very reminiscent of the uh, the face huggers from uh, Aliens. Very much, but even the face huggers, you didn't actually like see the the blood and stuff like that. That was, sure. well, I mean, until they, you know. <laughs> oh, you saw blood, but later, just, in a not the place. face, <laughs> not the face huggers, the chest bursters. Yes, <laughs> there is a difference. Um, I do think it was an interesting approach that yeah, they were trying to fix up humanity, but the fact is that humanity is never going to accept that. You know, 
we fuck up our planet and we want the right to fuck up our planet. People don't do that. I mean, look, people, nine out of 10 people will not respond well to being ordered about and forced to go against their, uh, their natures. They, you know, you, I think it's, um, I want to say it was men in black, maybe where the line about, you can't just push people into it. You got to, um, there was something else too that I, I remember this line from, but basically you got to fool people into thinking it's their idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, can't, you can't just order them about people will resist it. They don't like it. Mm-hmm. That, that is as human a trait as any. And that's what, you know, and that's what James Gunn is, is dealing with here. You know, the subtext of what's going on is James Gunn talking about with this show is how do you know, we all agree th- things need to change. Things could be better. How are you going to do it? If you force it on people, they tend to buck and they don't want to wear their masks and they don't want to get shots and, and, you know, and it's a mess. And, you know, and, and, and then they're on TikTok doing protests. However, if we can gradually move them along, they'll eventually get to the right. More, pre- more people than not, especially if you have faith in humanity, will get to the right place they need to be over time. But by the same token, when there's a ticking clock, you know, and a doomsday clock and, you know, the, the planet's on the verge of exploding, maybe we don't have time to wait. It's, uh, real quick, this is an argument my dad and I used to get into. You know, there there are writers who deal in the history of the Civil War and the Reconstruction that make the argument: Have we just let the South alone? They would have ended slavery by themselves uh, over time. And I I said that to my father. He was like, "Oh, I absolutely agree with that. In four or five thousand years, sure, they would eventually would have given it up." And it's like, okay, I get your point. Um, sticking with you, Alexis. Anything? Uh, any burning desires, things you want to talk about with this show, very specific points? Can we talk about how awesome that cameo at the end of the series was? Go right ahead. I They start the final episode with Adebayo calling her mom saying, okay, look, this is a freaking alien invasion. This is not, you know, a minor thing. And it's just us. Mern's dead. The, the leader who we found out was one of the butterflies. Mm. She's like, can you like call the Justice League or something? And it's a minor thing, but I always love when you have a superhero movie like this and they acknowledge, oh yeah, there's other superheroes. Like that scene in Ant-Man when he's explaining what's going on uh, and Scott says, well, my first re- yeah, Scott's like, I think we should call the Avengers. <laughs> I just love little lines like that. Yeah. And yeah, I, and I, I think we're all saying it's like, there's no way Waller's going to call the Justice League. And then at the end, Superman, Aquaman, Flash... And Wonder Woman all show up, and it's actually Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller. I, I mm-hmm. guess Henry Cavill and Gal Gadot couldn't make it, mm-hmm. and Peacemaker just walks by. I'm like, "You're late!" <laughs> was, and when it's they cut it, I see it's actually Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller. I fell on the floor laughing. That was it was good. So funny. Yeah, actually, James Gunn. Uh, they got to use this simply because of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 mm-hmm. because uh, Jason Momoa like was thrilled that he was even asked to be in this. It was like he was like giddy about it. And Ezra Miller was like, yeah, I'm on board mm-hmm. um, simply because and it lays the groundwork earlier when he, um, and the the shit talking that Chris does about other superheroes. Mm. Um, he says great arrows of Brody <laughs> yeah uh, and he's like and you know Aquaman fucks fish gives the, gives the aquarium Wonder God. Woman was IFing me across the room <laughs> yeah and you know and, and it's just like subtle stuff like that, that and then it brings it back to this and it, it's like well the rumors are true and, and you know you get, up, the, you get the you just get those and it's just like a little stinger that, you know, just closes everything up, brings a smile to your face. So, yeah, I like that. Ca- the cameos were uh, amazing and well, well, um, hidden. Nobody knew that that was going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So, so it not being spoiled was, was a pleasant treat as well. All right. Before we head out for the night, um, Jason, well, actually, before I move on, I want to give you an opportunity to bring up any points that you uh, wanted to bring to the table. Uh, the, the when I knew that I I was going to love this, and this is this is the when did you fall in love, Jason? When I <laughs> fell in love, and this, and you you know you're going to laugh is it was episode one when you see John Cena with the magic wand <laughs> singing 
in his underwear, just full on power ballad in his underwear with a magic wand. And I was like, this this is gonna be this is not what I expected. This is gonna go down a very interesting road and I'm I'm gonna be along for the ride. Yeah. You know that line in Suicide Squad when he when he's wearing the, the tidy whities and Bloodsport calls him out and he's like, Tidy Whities really and uh Peacebinger goes, Then that's just racist, man. He apparently improvised that line. Mm-hmm. I don't do you know the story of how John Cena became John Cena, Alexis, with regards to um how he jumped from like a low mid card guy to the main event? Like no what, clue. what was the transition thing? Um no he was rapping on a bus. So when he first showed up at the WWE um he slaps kurt angle and kurt angle's like what makes you so special he says ruthless aggression and that was the last cool thing he would do for months they had him in matches he was doing okay and you know i think john cena was afraid he was going to get fired because he was a he was on the yeah he was on the verge of getting fired yeah so they're on like i think a european tour he's on the bus and and he's just freestyling and on the bus and allegedly uh stephanie mcmahon heard him freestyling and was like why don't you do that on camera you should do that on camera at which point they gave him a little leeway to shape his character and he started doing the white rapper thing, but he was doing like throwback jerseys and upside down visors. Like he was tapping into the cultural hip hop element mm-hmm. and then he was doing freestyle raps. And the thing about his freestyle raps were uh, there's a guy in AEW, um, a, a part of a tag team called the acclaimed. And when he comes out, he freestyles and he just insults the shit out of people, but he's got a potty mouth. John Cena, John Cena would do it, and he kept it relatively PG, PG thirteen, uh, as opposed to the acclaimed guy who's once or twice had to be kicked off television. Yeah. But um, my point being, the reason I brought that up is John Cena has an extremely quick wit, mm-hmm. um, which lends itself to um, the, the word Improver- being improv to improvising. Yeah, in- yeah. To in- it lends itself to in- uh, improv- improvisation. So I think that's why he's successful there. But he's also he's also a very sharp guy. John Cena is not stupid. Um, no. You know, those also he was also play actually playing the piano in that one episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know Cena could play the piano, but apparently he's quite good. Yeah, he speaks Mandarin too. Wow. That, yeah, that's like really impressive. Yeah, he stuttered Mandarin just simply to be an ambassador. He got for the in trouble WWE. with it. Did you not see that story where he where uh, yeah. He said, Said something about the Chinese and pissed them off, and then had to apologize for it in Mandarin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to be an ambassador for the WWE, he learned Mandarin. That's <laughs> really impressive. And like he is, he's extremely smart, extremely talented. That and, and going back to what Mark said, um, YouTube. There's a, a video of of him reflecting on the Peacemaker that he tells his story. How he became John Cena, how his, how he went from almost being fired, all the way up to Peacemaker, and it's it's about a ten minute video. It's really interesting, mm-hmm. uh, just to see him be himself and just like no facade, just being John Cena. Yeah. Um, the last thing, uh, Jason, I you I don't know if you were in the middle of something there. If you are, go ahead and finish up. If not, we're gonna move on to the last thing. No, I mean I was just saying the 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 moment I fell in love was the one. Mm-hmm. The tidy whitey okay. one sing karaoke and the in in old girl that he beats at the bar, um, living room, and mm-hmm. how that all goes down and just the love of eagerly bringing him something <laughs> just goes and gets a I think it's a possum or a squirrel and just drops it down you know just to let him know that everything no matter how how much shit went sideways everything's still okay. I uh, the last thing I, I'm right before the very very last thing. I want to make note of this. Part of the reason why I, I talk so glowingly about this show um, is so much. There's such a, an effort to try to get the people who are into you know Star Wars, Marvel, DC to watch stuff. And we, we the thing that we've talked about over the course of hundreds of podcasts on here is that it, it sometimes feels like they serve too many masters and then the product becomes very empty. Sometimes it feels like they're patronizing the group or they're utterly misunderstanding the group and think we're all a bunch of mooks, you know, who, who can't get anything deep or complicated. And so the show is stupid and people reject it. Or it's so agenda driven that, you know, you have certain elements of the population who is like, oh, no, I'm not going to watch this. I don't agree with, with the agenda you're pushing. And boy, this was none of those things. This was smartly written. It wrote for what people in our 
group in our cohort like to see on television and and it did so it did so in an entertaining way and it's it really is head and shoulders above most of the stuff that i've covered over the last couple of years you know it, it's right up there with doom patrol and swamp thing uh lost in space some of the best the stuff of the stuff i've raved about on here it's right there man it, it is a truly phenomenal show with phenomenal music alexis Haina. We said it before the podcast started. James Gunn has an amazing talent for picking out music to go with his projects. We saw that with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I have Awesome Mix Volume 1 and 2 on my phone. There, it's a, That's actually my favorite music to play when I take my dogs for a walk. And the songs in this, it's like, he's pulling stuff down that fits perfectly. But at the same time, I think a lot of us are going, where the hell did you pull that from? I mean, again, Wigwams, do you really want to taste it? A Norwegian glam rock band with this song that came out in 2010. So I have an article up here from Screen Rant. I just want to go over this with you. Hey, every good podcast should have a list on it. So here's ours. Um, and, I, and, I, and I'm already, I'm two songs into this. So this is already the greatest thing I've ever seen. There's Welcome to the Church of Rock and Roll by Foxy Shazam, Jason Teasley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Foxy Shazam. Uh, there's Come On, Come On by Nashville Pussy. Have you ever heard of Nashville Pussy, Alexis Haina? I cannot say I've ever heard of Nashville Pussy. Nashville Pussy is fantastic. I enjoy a good Nashville Pussy song. When you're done here, oh go on God, Amazon Mark. Music Unlimited and get yourself some Nashville <laughs> Pussy like I do. I love Nashville Pussy. Moving on. Somebody, <laughs> somebody you feel got, better about yourself, Mark? I fucking do, man. You guys keep asking that. I don't do nothing unless it makes me feel better. Um, <laughs> Summertime Girls by Y&T. Uh, Night of Passion by The Poodles. By the way, I wasn't lying about, about the Natural Pussy thing. I might even do it a bit, but that, that's actually a real band that I like. Um, I, I know. I know. <laughs> I Don't Love You Anymore by The Choir Boys. Love Bomb Baby by Tiger Tails. I don't know any of these bands. And I do like a I said, that's the thing. It's like, where where does James Ed get this encyclopedic knowledge of music from? <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you just, again, I've been you know into the heavy metal scene since I'm like a teenager. But I was one of those kids, and my friends were, were these kinds of kids that would go into the record store and look for off-the-beaten-path stuff. You know, Robert Cooper and I have an ongoing joke on the show about just weird band names and stuff. You, if, you, if you spend enough time listening to music and you're willing to give things a chance, you're going to find a lot of weirdo bands out there. So I'm not surprised he knows this stuff. I'm just like, so far, I haven't found, other than the one I mentioned, I haven't found one that I'm familiar with. But, you know, there's only a zillion bands out there. Um, seven o'clock by the choir boys, borderline crazy by the cruel intentions. Don't treat me bad by firehouse. Come on, Jason. We know firehouse. Yeah, sure. You don't know, you don't know the band firehouse. No, I have, I, I have fucking class and culture. No, you don't. Number one, number two, okay. fire, firehouse was like big in like the late eighties, early nineties. They were part of, you know, like the mainstream rock and roll, uh, picture. Yeah, in in the nineties, yeah, I was I was listening to the, I was a a small ginger boy listening to gangster rap. All right, fair enough. Drag me down by Santa Cruz, Peacemaker by Antonio Gradanti, Boots on Rocks Off by Dust Bowl Chokies, uh, Pumped Up Kicks by John Murphy featuring Ralph Sains. We're only on episode three now. Uh, Would you love a creature by Sister, Six Feet Under by Kissing Dynamite? Them I know. Uh, Push Push Lady Lightning by Bang Camaro. Uh, Beat the Bullet by Vane. I Want to Be With You by Pretty Boy Floyd. Them I know. Jawbreaker, once again, by The Cruel Intentions. Hey, come on. Do you know this one, Alexis? Let's see Let's see your musical knowledge here. Do you know House of Pain by Faster Pussycat? No. Wow. I've actually heard of them. Yes, I've heard. Absolutely. Faster Pussycat. All of us also know that song very well. Um, House of Pain. Uh, Enemy and Me by Veins of Jenna. Fight Song by Sister Sin. Uh, 11th Street Kid by Hanoi Rocks. Every bit of that Hanoi Rocks uh, monologue that he goes into on the bus is fantastic and 110% true. Love Hanoi Rocks. Uh, the Both of Us by House of Lords. How Come It Never Rains by Dogs Do More. Fallen Star, Hanoi Rocks. The Human Paradox by Dynast uh, Dynasty. New Thing by Enough is Enough. Do you know Enough is Enough, Jason? Yeah, it's probably going to end right here at the song titles because that's en definitely enough is enough. Shut up. Um, <laughs> nice try, right. Jason. I give you credit for that. 
Hey, listen. Uh, least, I feel I feel like Jesse Starcher's doing his plugs. The, uh, hey, at least at least this isn't the the one time I tried to read through a whole bunch of like Filipino bands uh, on one of the shows with <laughs> Lexus uh, and mispronounced every single one of their names. <laughs> hey, here's one I know. I know you know this one, Alexis. I know you do. Barbie Girl by Aqua. Yes, I went to school in the '90s and early 2000s. I know that song. Perfect. Uh, Monster by Reckless Love, Home Sweet Home, originally by Motley Crue, but played by John Cena. Kiss Me Deadly by Lita Ford. Come on, Jason. Yes, we yes, know Lita I know, Ford. I know Lita Ford. Yes, good, very good. Um, I don't, uh, I don't think I could have ended this podcast unless you told me you knew Lita Ford. Uh, In My Dreams by Wigwam. Don't close your eyes by Kicks. Kicks, I know. Hot Cherry by Hardline by The Grace of God. The Helicopters. Set the Night on Fire by Pretty Boy Floyd. If you really, really love me by Steel Panther. I love Steel Panther. Steel, Steel Panther is best. Steel Panther is one of my favorite bands ever. Oh my God. Tell me, let top five Steel Panther songs, Jason. Go. Uh there's only one. Um, uh, Gang Bang at the Old Folks Home. That's a good one. Gang Bang at the Old Folks Home is good, but she's on the rag as a classic. Um, um I'm trying to think. There's one, there's one that me and my partner always started. Every time we worked mm-hmm. at 3 a.m., it started. It was it was, was it wasted on the too ambulance. much time, which which was no. my anthem of the year that that song came out. Wasted too much time because the whole chorus is I've wasted too much time fucking you. I just I would belt that into the ether. You guys go no. ahead and keep talking about this. I'm gonna go let my dogs in. You do that. Um, so yeah, Steel Panther, it's always always a classic, and, and covered multiple albums of theirs on the Metal Hammer of Doom here. <sighs> do you want to taste it by Wigwam? Apologize to Las Vegas, and you can't kill my rock and roll by Hardcore Superstar, which I would highly, highly recommend, Jason. If you haven't heard Hardcore Superstar yet, do you know where you can find Hardcore Superstar as well as many of these other bands? No, Mark. Where can I find all this great, lovely music? Well, Jason, you can find it on Amazon Music Unlimited. And it just so happens that we are giving away a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. The link in the description of this podcast is getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. Again, that's getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. For your free 30-day trial, over 70 million songs. Um, I read 69 million of them just now. Uh, there's, There's still another million left for you to listen to and stream at your leisure. Uh, go ahead and click the link, fill out the information, and then you can get yourself a free 30 days on us. Helps us out, help you out who doesn't love free music, who, I mean, we all really, really want to taste it. We should really, really want to taste it. Do you really want to really want to taste it? I think you do. So click the link at getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network. All right, this has been the longest week ever. I've done a million and one podcasts. Uh, not not the least of which was the Book of Boba Fett, uh, Uncharted, the Mania of WrestleMania 17, Amorphous, a triple feature with Jason Teasley talking Spike Lee movies. This, I finally get a break tomorrow. Um, I'm gonna go get drunk in a bar with my buddy from New York. He's at a he's coming to a Republican convention here in Orlando, and I'm gonna meet him after that. So that's always a fun time. But Saturday night, I'm back to the grind again. Myself and Robert Winfrey, whether he remembers or not, are doing an alternative commentary for uh, Chris Colbert versus Hector Luis Garcia on Showtime, which is now a WBA super featherweight eliminator. And then Sunday, I have loaded myself up again. Myself and Jason Teasley will be talking modern black exploitation movies to end our uh, look into black cinema far and wide throughout the years. We'll be talking Pootie Tang because Jason made me. <laughs> ladies man because Jason I, did make, I, I, I did make you watch ladies man and soul plane because i'm a jerk um and then finally uh the life is like a game show guys we had to reschedule last sunday show because i lost power so we're gonna try to do it this sunday we're gonna be doing an on trial for quiz show and then we're into batman week we've got all kinds of long road to ruins that sean comer and i did um we did the dark knight trilogy the 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 Tim Burton movies. We did the animated Dark Knight Returns. We did uh, the first volume of Batman the Animated Series. And that's all coming up this week on the Rattleligion Broadcasting Network, plus uh, some some more re-airs and whatnot. Alexis Haina, go ahead and uh, plug your trivia shows and your store. All right. Yes, my last show of the week. You only own my soul for two more days, Mr. Rattleich. 
uh we're going to be recording uh our monthly episode of Trypto trivia this saturday the theme is you probably guessed it it is everything the dark knight we're going to be talking comics movies and tv shows all featuring batman we're going to be recording that with a bunch of contestants um if you are interested in being in Trypto Trivia and can't make it on Saturday, let us know because we are looking for contestants for March's game in which the theme will be wrestling to tie into WrestleMania. And April's theme is everything Wizards and Magic to tie into the release of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And actually, I know what Maze is as well. Maze is always sci-fi month to tie into may the fourth be with you if you are interested in being on trip to trivia for any of those go ahead and hit us up on facebook or twitter let us know all right oh sorry go ahead yeah i was like and now the plugs <laughs> that actually pay my bills got <laughs> you every single time i'm like all right we don't need to hear about the rest of this please continue <laughs> honeysuckle rose creations where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic our stores on etsy and handmade and amazon are fully stocked ready to go and we're getting ready to jump onto the uh convention circuit we head to lexington kentucky next month for the lexington comic and toy fair four-day event looking forward to it then we got planet comic con here in kansas city it's our home show we never miss it we'll be heading to springfield Missouri for Vision Con. That's going to be a lot of fun. And we just got approval for a big anime show here in the Midwest called NakaCon. I have been dying to get back into that one. Really thrilled about that. Keep an eye out for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all further news about which conventions we'll be hitting, where we'll be on the road, and any new merch coming to the stores. Again, our shops are on Etsy and Handmade and Amazon. They are fully stocked. And you can always find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. Have you made anything Peacemaker related yet? Yes, actually, I have. If you pulled up my Etsy store. Nah. I... <laughs> Fine. I, I will pull it up on Instagram then because you're going to make me. Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> okay. I see trying it. to angle this so you so it's not the so white clear. dove of peace in its scrabble tile earrings cufflinks i was gonna say those are cufflinks okay so all right. yes all right jason i hear you talk fantasy football yes you can find me on the second of short podcast with my host uh ty louder where louder we louder. all right he'll kill you for that <laughs> um where you can find us we're Going through our offseason, looking at our buy sell trade, have dinner with, or whatever, whatever Todd feels like titling it this week. Um, it just throws a dart and be like, yeah, that's what we're going to name it this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, gotta love him. Uh, but yeah, we're going through our offseason of our fantasy football. Everything's getting ramped up. Uh, we kind of took a break from, you know, our TikTok and everything and social media outside of the podcasting, basically, kind of recharge our our batteries and we're hitting the ground running uh the tiktoks will be going up a lot of the twitter polls uh be on the lookout for that and ty is going to be doing a lot of the instagram posts so definitely you know check us out we are part of the w2m network so uh you can find us on the w2m network on all podcasting platforms as well as our own youtube page of second and short podcast Folks, thanks for joining us here on our review of Peacemaker. We'll hope again to see you soon. Until then, be well, be safe, and behave.